If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. Set your mind free with a free plan from Fidelity. Start by organizing your plan around what matters most to you. As you go, you'll be able to see your full financial picture, which covers spending, saving, debt, and goals in one simple view. Get started by visiting fidelity.com slash free plan. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSC SIPC. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Y'all, we have a great show today. In fact, this is one of my favorite ways to have the happy hour is we just talk about this and then we talk about that and it's really encompassing of humanity. I love it so much. Today on the show, Scott Kadersh is joining me and Scott's the marriage pastor at Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. In fact, we've had uh, two other people from the Harris Creek on the podcast probably just this year. JP Picluda has been on and then Maddie was on earlier this year. Well, Scott has a new book out. It's called 100 Prayers for Dating and Engaged Couples, The Ready or Not Prayer Guide. So we talk a lot about marriage at the beginning of this conversation and Scott's vulnerable in ways that is so, so inspiring. It makes me want to be more vulnerable with my community. And so we talk about marriage. And then the last part of the show, we talk about um, eating and food as idols and health struggles. And I want to give just a little bit of a trigger warning because I think that would be kind that if you struggle with disordered eating, this might be a difficult latter half of the conversation. Um, if it's not your struggle, I think you'll be able to really, really get a lot from it. But Scott is vulnerable and open about how eating has become an idol for him. And he talks about his health and how he's trying to tackle that. And it's a conversation that's needed. In fact, he shares about a message that he preached on it once. And we're going to link that in the show notes as well if you want to go hear his conversation about that. Scott and I also talk about addiction a little bit at the end of the show. Neither one of us are experts by any means, but we both read the book recently by Matthew Perry, and Matthew tells his story of addiction, and so we talk a little bit about that. Um, The conversation is so good today. I love shows like this. I appreciate Scott's um, candidness and vulnerability, and I hope that you hear our heart with marriage, is that it is not ultimate, it is not the best thing in the world, but it is a really great gift that God's given us, and how do we steward it well, because that matters. Guys, I also want to say this week, I'm actually in San Diego uh, with Women of Welcome, and if you have been around the podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about Women of Welcome, and I love and adore everything that they are doing. Women of Welcome, their mission statement is that they're a community dedicated to diving into the whole of scripture to understand God's heart for the immigrant and refugee. And so we're in San Diego this week, just learning and listening. It's not a mission trip. We are there as people who just want to be really better lovers of Jesus. We want to really understand more God's heart for the immigrant and refugee and learn about what's happening in our country and at the borders. I'm taking some friends with me and also some happy hour listeners. It's going to be a really great trip. Follow along on Instagram and I'll share some really great stuff. I'm at Jamie Ivy over on Instagram. 
All right, you guys, here's my conversation with Scott Kadersha. Hey, Scott, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, thank you. So good to be here with you, Jamie. I'm so excited to have you. Another Harris Creek guy. You work with JP. JP's been on the show today. I think I should just start checking off your staff directory and see who else we can get on the happy hour. That's what's happening here. But I'm really happy that you're here. Uh, Introduce yourself to my listener and and tell everyone who you are. Yeah. So my name's Scott Kadersha. I am married to Kristen. We've been married 22 years. I think similar to you, Jamie, right? Weren't you? Yeah, we're 2001. When's your anniversary? We're September 15th, so we got married the week of 9-11. Yeah, you did. That was a Tuesday. We got married a couple days after that. <gasps> that just gave when, me chills for some reason. Um, June. And so we actually okay. honeymooned in New York City just a couple months before 9-11. Wow. And so it just still feels like a lot. But yeah, 2011. Wow. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, we got married four days after 9-11, 22 years, four boys, twins who are 19, a 16-year-old, 14-year-old, and I get to do marriage ministry. I've done that for... Gosh, 17 years now. I did. I was at Watermark Community Church in Dallas for a long time and thought we would die and I'd retire and all that in Dallas. And it was just time for a change. And so we moved down to Waco. I get to serve marriages here at Harris Creek with JP, uh, Maddie Trout, who was on a few uh, weeks ago, get to serve with her and her husband. And so we love being here at Harris Creek and in Waco. The home of the bears. The home of the bears. Listen, I, I've said it publicly before. I will cheer for the bears all day long, as long as they're not playing my Longhorns. I, I appreciate that. You guys <laughs> took care of us this year pretty pretty well, if I remember right. I was glad I was out of town for that game and didn't have to watch that. Uh, we did take care of you, but I will say you guys turned around and went to UCF and took care of them. You know your stuff. We did, and then we got, and then Tech took care <laughs> and of us. Tech and took so, care of y'all. I, I, <sighs> I, I love, the, I love my friends at Baylor and stuff, but I think you guys might just get taken care of a lot this year. It's gonna be a long year. It's a long. And year. I was, I, I, I don't love, I don't have the same affection for UT like you do for, for, uh, for, for Baylor. But uh, I was sad that OU won. I was definitely cheering for the Longhorns, I, which I, doesn't make me popular around here. But uh, you know, I just hey, don't like I will OU. take that. I will take that. Thank you. It was a sad day. Like after the game was over, I like just took a nap outside. Like I was just like, I need to lay down. I need to rest. I need to rest my whole body. It was sad. But you guys, I mean, it could be, this could be a championship year. It's okay. You can recover. It's not over. Say it here. Say it here. We're going to see those Sooners (laughs) back again in December. That's what I'm claiming. Uh, Scott, I love that you like football. And I've been telling people about this new podcast. I just started listening to this podcast this year. uh, The Solid Verbal Podcast. Have you been a longtime listener? No, I heard about it from you and I'm kind of mad at you for it because <laughs> I don't need any more podcasts to listen to. And then you posted about it. I thought it was a cool name, didn't know what it was about. And then I have been hooked ever since. And so it's so good. I love listening to him. I love listening to it as well. I will admit, sometimes I kind of fast forward and get to like, if they're talking about the Big 12 or or any of our Longhorns or whatever, I'm like, I don't really care what's happening, you know, in the Pac-10, like who cares, you know? Totally. And so um, I, I do love it. Yeah, the Big Big 10 is dead to me. Big Ten is dead to us all. Yeah, yeah. Well, Scott, I'm happy that you're here, and I have a feeling that our conversation is going to go here and there and wherever it leads us, and those are probably my favorite kind of conversations, especially on the happy hour. But you just released a book in October called The Ready or Not Prayer Guide, and it's 100 Prayers for Dating and Engaged Couples. And I, when I think about marriage ministry and marriage, it's important to Aaron and I. Like I said, we've been married the same amount of years yeah. as as you and Kristen, and um, marriage it's hard. I always tell the story a, a lot. When I when Aaron and I first got married, we would probably been married a handful of years. And one of his friends from college called him to tell him that his parents were getting a divorce. Mm. And I remember as a newlywed thinking, 
wait, you put that much time into this and now you're getting a divorce. Like it, I didn't have any space for it in my brain. Like it didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand it. I was very sad with them and about it. Um, but I couldn't understand it. And now, like, unfortunately, after being married for 21 years, I understand how that happens. Like, I understand how people a play on your podcast that you host, which you can tell us about later, become like roommates and they just kind of function together. And I always think about that story and think about how that kind of put a fire in my spirit to make sure that Aaron and I did not become like roommates. Mm. But I think it's hard parenting and work and life and all of the things. It's just really easy. So talk to us a little bit about what you've seen recently maybe in your marriage ministry, what you're doing of like, what does it look like with marriages these days within the church? Are we becoming more like roommates? Are we thriving? Like, just, just tell us, tell, well, we want some good news, Scott. Tell All us some good stuff, news too. Yeah. Well, there is a lot of good news, but you know, start off, start off with the bad. It, it is really tough, right? I've heard Paul Tripp say this before, that marriage is a sinner, one sinner married to another sinner in a broken world. Yep. You know, and apart from Jesus, there's not a lot of hope there. Mm -hmm. And so if a husband is a sinner and a wife is a sinner and and we've got to function and work this thing out in a, in a broken world and we make broken kids and we have broken jobs, it makes for a really tough combination. You're like, people are people always say before they get married, are we compatible with each other? And my answer is, is always no, because none of us, it's kind mm -hmm. of sad. None of us are compatible because we're both sinners. Mm -hmm. And so apart from Jesus, this thing is, is hopeless. And so mm -hmm. it's no wonder why the divorce rate is what it is inside the church and outside the church. It's no wonder why, you know, maybe couples aren't getting divorced, but they're just miserable together. Mm -hmm. They are just roommates, you know, and I, I don't like the way that we talk about marriage, you know, that it's a burden, that it's so difficult all the time, that, you know, the old ball and chain, the old lady, like the way that we talk about each other is not honoring to this incredible gift mm. that marriage is. And, mm. and I would say, you know, for me and Kristen, it is, apart from my relationship with Jesus, it is the second greatest gift in my life. Yeah. Like, she's amazing. And I get to see, you know, the gospel lived out in our relationship. We get to see redemption and forgiveness and hope. And it's a whole lot of fun. And God designed it in a way that's that really is incredible. Uh, of just getting to be intimate with each other, of having a companion, a best friend, I'm so much better because of her. Yeah. And I think when couples live this thing outright, when they deal with their selfishness, deal with their sin, you know, kind of work on themselves instead of focusing on all the problems of their spouse, we can actually live this thing out with a lot of hope and joy and encouragement and the blessing that it's intended to be. Mm, you know, Scott, I feel the same way about my spouse as you do about yours. And I just like, it sounds as cheesy as it is can ever be. And I know that it's cheesy and I know that people are going to want to throw up in their cars. Like I get it. I, I make myself want to throw up that Aaron <laughs> truly is my best friend. And he's truly who I would want to spend. If you get to get stuck on an Island with anybody, I choose Aaron all day. And so I am very, very, very grateful for the marriage that God has given us. And, um, Marriage has not been the hardest thing for me. And like parenting is the hardest thing for me in my Preach. life. And so marriage has not been the hardest thing for me, but I do know that marriage can be so difficult. And I do think that it is also so beautiful. It is a gift. And I'm going to say this at the beginning, neither Scott nor I believe that marriage is the ultimate thing, the best thing, right. the better thing. We believe that it is a gift that God has given to some people within the church, the world, and singleness is just as good. That's going to, we're just going to put that out there, but we're going to talk about marriage. That's right. You agree with that. Um, I, Scott, just recently, Aaron had COVID. 
And um, it mm. was worse, you know, it's 2023. COVID is not gone by any means, but it doesn't do what it did in 2020 when like, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm spraying Lysol all around you and all the things. <laughs> but he was stuck in the room for a while and I slept in another room. Life went on when Aaron Ivy was stuck in the bed with COVID. I was sleeping yeah. someplace else. I was still dealing with children's stuff. And at the end of the week, I literally said to him, I feel very disconnected from you. I feel mm -hmm. like roommates. Like I'm just coming up here to ask you, like tackle some things. And then I go sleep in a different room. And so that's an extreme example, obviously. But what is some hope for marriages these days? Like how, if someone is coming to you and they feel like they're in this rut, maybe they're not sleeping in another room, maybe all the things, but they do feel like we have lost a little bit of our connection. And you and I both being married for two decades, understand how that happens. What is your yeah. counsel to people on how to get some of that back? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I certainly, first of all, I mean, I certainly get the, the, you know, being divided during COVID. I, I remember a time a couple of years ago, this is the biggest challenge we faced in our marriage in the last couple of years is when my wife had COVID and all my kids had COVID and I didn't. Oh, I'm Scott, just, just, you were in charge of the whole house. The whole the house. Health Thank you for understanding. The people. <laughs> yes. And I still got to work my job and take care of the family and, and, and I'm just going to be vulnerable. This, this, I, I kind of felt entitled during those few days. And mm -hmm. and one night I'm sleeping in the guest room. Everyone else is upstairs. All they're doing is watching movies and having fun. <laughs> and I'm doing everything. And, and I pulled my phone out one night and looked at porn. Mm. And, uh, and did something I hadn't done in a while. And, and I remember just in that, you know, just you even sharing about Aaron having it just brought that back to me immediately. Mm. And, and how much I broke oneness in our relationship when I did that. And I think what one of the challenges is that so often, whether it's that story or, you know, you and Aaron not being able to be next to each other and with each other for a few days when he had it, it is like, it, we just fall into this rut where we just pursue and do what we want to do, mm. where it's the most, it's selfishness comes out and we're pursuing our own desires and what we want. And I think that's the big problem. You know, it's, it's James 4.1. Why do quarrels exist among us? You know, why do we fight? Why do we quarrel? It's because of selfish desires that wage war within us. And, uh, and I just think if we, would, if we would be people who would attack that selfishness, like if I had thought of my wife in that moment instead mm. of thinking about what I wanted and what I desired and what I felt entitled to, like if, what if I had thought about her and my family? Mm. If I had just said, hey, this is not worth it. It's worth Pursuing Jesus and pursuing my wife, mm -hmm. and uh, and so often we just do what we want to do because we're we're selfish. It's what's tearing marriages apart. It's what's mm -hmm. leading to divorce. It's what leads to even being still married, but just kind of coexisting with each mm -hmm. other. And God has so much more for us. And and you're right; it is not ultimate. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, we just do what we want to do, mm -hmm. and we pursue our own selfish desires instead of this incredible privilege of of getting to serve, joyfully serve one another, mm. which, which again, sounds like impossible and cheesy, but that's what Jesus did for us, right? And yeah. that's what marriage is this picture of. It's this picture of God's love for us, his love for the church. And we get to do the same thing within marriage. And that's why I think it's so beautiful is because we get to, in the process of being married well, we get to be like Christ. Friends, I am so excited to tell you about a great book to consider buying for any four to eight-year-olds in your life. It's called Broken Crayon Still Color. This is from my friend, Tony Collier, friend of the happy hour as well. And here's what I know is that kids have emotions and sometimes we don't understand how to help them with that. And having a resource to help your kids in this journey is so important. 
In this book, you can help your kids process big feelings, build a social emotional toolkit, and find beauty in life's challenges. The book's main character, Avery, has big emotions and bubbling anxieties about changes in her life. When Avery's crayons break as she scribbles furiously, she discovers that they have personalities and feelings too, and they can show her how to use her love of coloring to manage scary, overwhelming feelings and embrace curiosity and joy. As Avery follows these crayons advice, gets creative and chooses bravery and positive thinking, she discovers that God can use her to make beautiful things, even with broken crayons. Grab Broken Crayon Still Color today, wherever you get books, to help your little ones process big feelings. Go to TonyJCollier.com slash crayons for more information. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. 
you know, it's interesting because we live in a world that really tells us in lots of areas, not just marriage, hey, if you're not happy, go do whatever you need to do to get happy. And um, that message is blaring at us, you know, and I remember we're just going to talk about all of our stuff during COVID. During COVID, 2020 and 2021 were our hardest years of marriage yet. Mm. 2010 was hard circumstantially, but 2020 and 2021 between Aaron and I was so difficult. And I remember one time I was talking to my counselor and I was just telling her like all the things that I thought Aaron was failing at. And she she didn't tell me that he wasn't failing at them. She didn't say like, oh, you... I'm sure he's doing great. Like she didn't do that, but she did say, what can you work on on yourself? Like, what mm. can you, what can Jamie do in the situation? And I wasn't frustrated with her by any means. She was right. But in the, but all I wanted to do was point out every way that Aaron was failing. Right. And, and for a split second, I was like, see, I deserve him to be better. <laughs> like, come on, Aaron Ivy, get your stuff together. And she really encouraged me. Like, what can you do? And I think Scott, that's what you're saying is that this selfish mentality and it feels a little, this conversation feels a little difficult because you do this all the time. Yeah. But oftentimes you're looking at couples who are really unhappy. Like you're not happy. Yeah. Like this is not a matter of maybe we're misunderstanding. No, I'm not happy. And then you're asking them, lay down your life for someone else. Mm -hmm. How do we do that? That feels totally, it's anti-flesh. And I, I know the answer, but how do we do that? Yeah, I think it's, so I read this like a Five years in the marriage, I read this and it, it kind of blew my mind and changed my mentality on marriage. And so it's First uh, Timothy one fifteen, when Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, "I am the chief sinner," right? And so it's not a marriage verse. That that passage has nothing to do with marriage. But mm. I remember reading that, and it was in a book called "When Sinners Say I Do," which is a great title. But it's kind of like this really heavy view of marriage and how the gospel plays out. It's by a guy named Dave Harvey, and I remember reading that, and he writes about just that mentality. When you see yourself as the biggest problem in your marriage, it can change your marriage. Wow. Because instead of looking at your spouse and saying, you're the problem that needs to be fixed, which we can't do anything about, mm -hmm. right? There's nothing that I can do to fix. Gosh, Kristen's we try. Oh. Right? Yes. And I'm going to tell people, I'm going to pray that God would do it. And, and like God fix them, fix mm -hmm. Kristen. And I can't do that. There's nothing I could do. But if I see myself as the biggest problem in my marriage, mm. which, you know, and I'm like, there are times when I when I just like stack the sin and I go, she's probably 51% responsible and I'm 49%, which is so stupid. <laughs> but that's what we do is like mm -hmm. we, we compare who's got more. And this mentality, and I've seen it change, not just my marriage, but so many marriages, is to see yourself as the biggest problem in your marriage. And you're going to do everything you can you know, this phrase that I got at Watermark was, you know, draw a circle around yourself and work on everyone inside the circle. And so that's what I can do. That's what you can do as you listen to this is to say, I know that my spouse has stuff and I'm going to ask, you know, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask God's people to work on them, but I can change myself. I can change my mentality. I can change my behaviors. I can change the way I pray. I can become more and more and more like Christ. I'm going to do everything I can to become like Christ. And I'm going to just trust that God is going to do his thing mm. in my spouse in a way that I never can. And that's a freeing perspective because yeah. it no longer means that I've got to fix them. It means I can take care of what I bring to the table. And I just believe that if I do that, I'm going to trust that God's going to do the same thing in my spouse. It's so good. I think there's been a handful of times in, in my marriage, particularly where I've had to say, not so much in like changing Aaron's, like something he's doing wrong or whatever, but bringing us unified where I've had to say like, God, bring us together or like, 
make us change our mind. Like you have to bring us together somehow because we're not doing this. And I think that prayer for our spouse yeah. is so very important. And it's often the thing that we're like, I can't even, I, I just need them to be better. I just need them to do better. And we forget how important it is to ask God to do that. Now, you know, you're talking about, you know, saying I'm the chief centers, which is why I love Paul. He says it all the time. He's like, Hey, all here I am. Yes. I'm the worst. Okay. Everyone follow <laughs> me. Um, but I think that mentality, it comes with a lot of humility. It comes mm. with a lot of meekness, a lot of gentleness. Frankly, besides being the chief center, it looks a lot like Jesus, you know, and, yeah. and, and laying down our lives for each other and serving each other. Aaron and I decided early on, like one of our goals in our marriage is like, who can outserve the other? And not I like we're keeping that. tallies, not like we have a chart in our house. Um, you know, on my worst days, I can create a chart in my head of who has done the most for <laughs> yes. each other. Yeah. And usually I'm winning. I'll just tell you that much. Um, <laughs> but really, like, how do we do that? Like, how do we serve each other? And what I found, Scott, is that when I am seeking out to do the best for my husband, it changes me. Like, it changes mm -hmm. something inside of me. And um, this book that you have, Ready or Not, a Prayer Guide for Dating or Engaged Couples, you know, you have a marriage ministry. And so you you are, this book is for people who are not yet married. Right. And um, you probably talk to a lot of people who are on the verge of getting married. And you, oh, this is what I was going to tell you earlier. This is a rabbit trail. You said yeah. when you asked people, am I compatible? You know what I right. was thinking? I heard someone one time say, and I don't remember who it was, but they said they've married like five different people and it's been the same uh -huh. person. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Like how different are you and your wife today than you were in 2001? Oh man, so different. Yes. I hope, right? I hope after- right. 22 right. years, I'm really different. Yeah. I hope so. And, yeah. and same yeah. with her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Aaron and I are so different as well. So when you talk to engaged people or dating people, what are some of the biggest advices, advice that you give to them as they're looking towards marriage? Yeah. Well, I mean, the big, here, here's why I wrote this book is because um, we consistently, like, uh, here's the advice I was, I just, I just had this conversation a couple of days ago with some newlyweds. They're like, what are the, what's the one thing you would do? And I go, well, here's three things. One is I would work on myself, I would address my sin struggles. Right, as quickly as I can, I'm going to work on my baggage that will help me be, be a better spouse down the road. Second is I'm going to make sure that we're consistently involved in the lives of other couples, that we're like never isolate, we never live life apart. And then the third one, and this is by far the most important one I tell them, is you've got to begin this pattern of praying together. And, and here, here's why. One is um, research consistently shows that if there's one thing that we can do for our marriage that will dramatically and like it's ridiculous the numbers that if a couple prays together out loud on a consistent basis, the divorce rate is is significantly less than one percent. And so, you know, research is showing all kinds of things: thirty percent, forty percent, fifty percent divorce rate, whatever it is. But if there's something I could do that reduces the divorce rate to less than one percent, why would I not do that mm -hmm. thing? Mm -hmm. And then I look at you know our marriage, and and I, I hate to admit this, and I've been you know marriage pastor for a long time. And I'm always encouraging couples to pray together. That's that's what I'm supposed to do. But we weren't really doing that at home. Like we would get on fits and starts. We'd go for a little while, then we'd stop. And I just didn't see the importance of it, if I'm honest. And I would. Just, it was one of those like, hey, do as I say, not as I do. And when I read that study, I'm like, there's got to be something to this. And and we need to start praying for a marriage, even though we had a great marriage. I go, man, well, I think we're missing out on something. Like if it's a eight out of 10, I think we can get to a 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. And the reason we're not there is because we're not pursuing the Lord together in, in prayer. And so we've started this pattern of praying together and it's really changed our marriage. And, and we, like I said, we were 
in a great spot, but we are having so much fun together now. I feel like I know Kristen at a different level. And I'm like, I wish I had done this 20 years ago. Mm. And so that's where this book comes from is I want couples to start this pattern of praying for their relationship really from the beginning. Mm. And, you know, and it's, there's not, the Bible doesn't say a lot about marriage. And so it's not like this deep Bible study on marriage. It's really, let's look at, at who Jesus is. Let's look at characteristics of Christ. And let's pray that those things would be part of my life, part of my spouse's life. They would mark our marriage. And so that's what I want couples to do is, is not pray for a great marriage, but ultimately pray that each of us would become more like Christ and that our marriage would be like a, a Christ-like marriage. And I think that would change our marriages in a, in a really unique way other than just doing a bunch of tips and tricks mm. that are probably going to fall short anyway. Mm. It's so good. Um, and y'all, this book is already out, so you can get it wherever you want. Scott, I want to go back to you were vulnerable earlier. Um, with something that happened during COVID when you looked at pornography, when your yeah. whole family was, you know, upstairs, in your words, having the time of their life watching this. Right. Which they <laughs> really were. They, were. they were all sick. <laughs> exactly, <Yes>. exactly. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I want to talk about confession because I feel like that that is also yeah. a, a thing that is hard in marriages. And I have had um, to confess things to Aaron that I would have rather just kept to myself, you know? Yeah. and um, my brain told me it would be okay to keep to myself, you know, and it wouldn't do any harm. And um, can you talk to us about what that looked like and how that worked itself out in in your own home? Yeah, it's so hard, right? And I, I, I just don't want to hurt my wife, right? I love her so much. We're one flesh with each other. And so confession is hard because we're either selfish and we worry too much about what other people think, or because we're afraid of hurting others. And, and I remember, you know, Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals their transgressions doesn't prosper, mm. but the one who confesses and forsakes their sin finds mercy. And, and so that was, it's really a test. Do we believe God's word when we fall short? Mm. Because we're all going to sin. It's mm -hmm. not like we can strive to be perfect. Like I want to become more and more and more like Christ, you know, the longer I'm walking with him, but we're all going to fall short. And so let's not be surprised that we sin and that we struggle. And so I've got two choices. And then I can either pretend, I, and I get so, to, you get this in, in Austin and in Texas and the Bible Belt where we are. People just pretend to have all their stuff together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like put on the pretty face when you go to church and get dressed up and everyone's fine and everyone's good. You know, there's no problems. But like, let's be real. We all struggle. Mm -hmm. We're all sinners. We all have stuff. And so why would we, pretend not to. Mm. And so even in marriage to pretend that we don't have stuff really means that we're probably hiding. And I think some people probably are, you know, are holier and so they have less to confess, but we're all going to have stuff to confess. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it difficult. But if we establish a kind of marriage where we can confess to one another, I really, and forsake our sin, not just confess it, but confess and turn away from it. I do believe that we're intended to find mercy, to give mercy uh, our marriages ought to be mar marked by mercy. And so that allows us to confess to one another rather than keeping it and hiding it. Mm. And that's a level of intimacy that we all yearn for is when yeah. you can confess your sin in, in this particular case to a spouse, it could be to a friend and that friend shows you mercy. That is a level of intimacy that people yearn for. And that yeah. is what you know, we can have in our marriages. Scott, tell us about your podcast that you have as well, because I was listening to you on my way to work today. Well, I'm having, it is the, it is my favorite thing in my life right now. Uh, you know, apart from Jesus, of course, and my kids and, and marriage, all that. 
But I have loved it. And thank you. You have been a huge help. Even though we've never met face-to-face, you and your team have been a huge encouragement for me to, to, you know, to start this thing. And I've been thinking about it for years. And finally, you know, uh, we started the podcast in January of 2023. We've released 47 episodes or something like that. Way to go, guys. I can't remember where we are. Yep. And, and we are having the best time. And so I've got an amazing team, Gabrielle McCullough and Derek Davidson. And it's called More Than Roommates. And, uh, and it's intended to help couples very proactively to become more than roommates with each other, that we would be intentional in growing our marriages. Mm. And, uh, and, and I've loved it. Like it's, it's forcing us to work on our own marriage. We're having really good, honest conversations, great interviews. And so uh, it's all designed to help couples not just be stuck in a rut, but really to take whatever the next intentional step is that they can take to be more than roommates. And I love the title. I didn't come up with it. Gabrielle's husband, Cooper, came up with it. And so uh, I'll give credit where credit is due, but we do want couples to be more than roommates. I love that so much. Um, Scott, I want to switch gears just for a second and talk about something that I think this is a first for me to talk about on the show for sure. Um, Also, side note, I don't know if you know this, I didn't start having men on this podcast till 2020. Yes. And so in 2014, so for all of those years, it was just women. And then 2020 years comes men. And I'm telling you, someone asked me the other day, like, are you glad that you made the change? And I'm like, Yes, I've had so many amazing conversations with brothers in Christ who I just would have never had on, and my world would have been so very, very shallow, even though I'm like four <laughs> women and love it and all the things. Um, but I was going to say, this is the first conversation I've had with a man on my show before, and I just want to thank you ahead of time for your vulnerability here. Sure. You told me that one of the things that's been a big struggle in your life for the past couple of years has been health and wellness. And um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what that's looked like for you and how you're finding freedom in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been, it really has, you know, I had my, I had problems with my tonsils when I was a young kid and couldn't eat and was skinny. And, and I had my tonsils out and I, and I joked unhealthfully at times, unhealthfully, unhealthfully, whichever it is that I got my tonsils out and never stopped eating since. And, uh, and it's been weight and obesity and overeating have been, it's really my thorn in the flesh. It's the thing that I struggle with more than anything else. And there's a long list of struggles. There's a lot that I've wrestled through in my life, but this is the one that's been the biggest thing. And, uh, and, and you know, it's like I'm addicted to food is, mm-hmm. is the way I say it. And so I know we're intended to eat, to live and food is a gift. And, uh, and it's like, I'm thankful God created us with this need and this desire. But for me, it's, I just think about food all the time. You know, what's my next meal? What do I get to eat next? Uh, it, it's almost like the same kind of rush that some people get from pornography. I get from eating food secretly. Mm-hmm. And so where it really became a problem where I was willing to admit it is I would go to the store, I would buy candy, I would shove it in my pockets or my bag, and I would go to wherever I was going, get behind a closed door and just binge. And sometimes it was like, literally, I'm sitting on a toilet seat. Mm-hmm. with a closed door, nobody around, and I'm just feasting and binging on food. And, uh, it, you know, and, and then in that, like my eyes were open to um, the secrecy and the, and the hold this thing had on me um, of, you know, I get emotional because it was like this, uh, it had such a hold on me and a grip on me that I couldn't get over. Mm. And I finally had to start asking for help and admitting that it was a problem. And then I still needed to eat, but I couldn't look to food to satisfy me fully. 
And it was what I went to when I was happiest, what I went to when I was sad, when I was isolated, when I was embarrassed. Food would be the thing that was always going to make things better for me. And so started to address it. I actually preached a message on it, um, you know, in 2016 or 17. It might have been the, the first time at our church that somebody had talked about food and eating from the stage. And that was really the beginning of, of the healing process for me. And I'm still not over it. You know, I just got diagnosed with diabetes a few years ago. I inherited some bad genes, but but the bigger problem is not my genes. It's it's my sin in it of overeating and looking for food to bring me life that it's never intended to give. Mm. And so I am working my tail off. I've had a great year of addressing it, continuing to be honest and open about it. It's the healthiest I've been in a long time and I have a long way to go, but but I'm finding so much freedom and hope and really just being open. I'm like, I'm so glad you asked me about it because nobody wants to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about it all the time because mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's got such a stronghold on me uh, and, and a stronghold on so many. And it's something we just don't talk about. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. The path to retirement is different for everyone. And as life changes, so do priorities. Fidelity can help you get where you want to go. With a free personalized plan, goal tracking, and timely insights, you'll be set to take on retirement, whether you're saving for it or already living in it. Get started at fidelity.com slash take on. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC. I agree. It's it's something we don't talk about. I think it feels a little uncomfortable. Like people don't know where to go or how to talk about or how. I mean, weight can be such a sensitive issue for people. Um, a lot of people, Scott, would say like this feels like this would be like a a, a woman's issue or a, right. you know, and for for a man it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Do you remember how you were um, the reaction of people around you when you first started talking about it? Yeah, it, it was like I can't believe somebody is finally talking about this, mm. and. Uh, and, and, you know, we talk about eating disorders and I'm, I'm sensitive to that for sure that some are listening and they have a very different issue with this. Mm-hmm. And I think we talk about that side of it. We don't talk about the unhealthy side of it when it comes to overeating and mm. binging and indulging in, uh, and, and it is uncommon for guys to talk about it. And I've mm-hmm. heard from so many who men and women just of, of, you know, appreciating that the topic is being discussed. And even if they, quote unquote, look good on the outside, they realize that internally it's a, it's got a stronghold on them mm. as well. I've got a great friend here at Harris Creek who, I mean, the dude's chiseled. I would do anything for his, for his body type and his muscles. He's got great hair, good looking guy, all of that. And he struggles. Like I, he's a, he's a guy that I can talk to about this, who gets everything I'm mm. going through. And he, he has the same thing. And I may, maybe it doesn't look like it outwardly, mm-hmm. but it's a heart condition, a heart issue mm. that um, that I'm so glad that we can at least talk about because we have to. It's it's yeah. it's a sin struggle like anything else at times. You know, I was just thinking I was going to ask you, you, you do call it a sin struggle and, and I can 
totally get behind that and hear that. That probably makes some people feel a little uncomfortable sometimes when you call, you know, overindulging, binge eating, overeating a sin struggle. And I appreciate you saying that about um, eating disorders and disordered eating, that that is, this is real and all the things. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about calling, you feel pretty confident about it, but did it take you a while to acknowledge this as this might be sin in my life? That's such a good question, right? Uh, I think because because we all need food to survive, God created right. us that way. And he created pleasurable foods that are like mm-hmm. amazing to look at and to eat and enjoy and to feast. And I believe we will feast in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things are right and true. But I, I think for so often, because it is the way that God designed us with a need to eat, that I, I almost belittled it. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. at least I'm not cheating on my wife, or at right. least I'm not, I haven't killed anyone, or I'm not getting I'm not doing drugs, I'm not alcoholic, yeah. yeah. Yes, and so I minimized it. It was, it was really this point of, of saying it's not a sin to eat, it's not even a sin to enjoy food, it's a sin when I think food is going to do something it was never intended to do. That food is not going to make my problems go, go away. It's not going to mm. cure my isolation. It's not going to cure my embarrassment and my shame. Mm. Food is something that, that we need to survive and God has given it to us. But when it's in, when I make it God, when I think about food more than I do him, when I think about food more than I do my spouse, when I'm eating in a way that it's taking away from my, my, you know, my vitality, when it's affecting the way I can lead and love my wife. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it, the last thought I'd say is like, I'm literally uh, slowly killing myself in the way I looked at food. Mm. And we're all going to die. Like I'm 100% certain of that. We're all going to pass away. But I was prematurely ending my life because of all the health issues I was creating by overeating food. Mm. And I, I know that's not everyone's story, but for me, the decisions I was making were leading me to significant health issues that are affecting everything in my life. Mm. You know, it makes me think of, was it Tim Keller who said an idol is anything that is good that you make ultimate? And mm. so, you know, you said you were putting food about everything. and for all of us listening, like we could fill that blank in with anything. Sex is good, you know, within a marriage space. And if you make that ultimate, it becomes an idol. You know, if you think that like sex is going to cure my loneliness or sex is going to cure my fear or my attachment issues, sex is good. And God created it to bring intimacy in a marriage, but it can't solve my attachment issues, you know? And so, or anything, whether that be, um, we could fill in the blank with lots of stuff that we can use on them. Well, Scott, I appreciate you being vulnerable, and I love that you get to talk about it. And I'm going to find that message from 2016 if you'll share it with me, yeah. and then we'll yeah, link for it sure. for for people to be able to go listen and watch. Um, really, really grateful, and I think that opens up the conversations for a lot a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Well, Scott, I want to finish with this. Let's talk about what we're reading yeah. because we're reading some of the same books, and I think it has some conversation starters here. So, what are you reading these days? Yeah, well, one I want to share one. I don't know if you've heard of this one before. But I just finished this amazing <laughs> set of two books You're called so Compliment. I love it. It's so good. So, I, I mean, uh, you and Aaron did an amazing job. I love it. It was fun to read. A really unique angle. I read a ton of marriage books, but um, I just finished it a few days ago. And I can't wait to continue to recommend it to so Scott, many people. Scott, you're so. so kind. Every time I talk to people about marriage or I get like a marriage book in, I always am like, 
I want everyone to know that when Aaron and I wrote the book Compliment, we do not see ourselves as marriage experts. Like we're not like, ooh, we have all the tips and tricks and follow us for <laughs> how to get a great marriage. Um, but we really just want it to be an encouragement. And so we believe in marriage as much as you do. So thank you. You're so kind. Well, you did a great job. <laughs> uh, I just finished Made for People by Justin Whitmell Early, an incredible book. And uh, I, I had him on the show. In fact, the day we're recording, he, his show comes out today on, on the happy hour. And um, I read that book and I loved it so much. It was about covenant friendship, which is just a conversation that I don't think that we're having. We talk about friendship. We talk about community, but he took it. He took it deep. He took it to another level. Yes. He's awesome. Uh, he's awesome. Great book. He's really, really uh, and great. Then, and I'm reading this book. It's called Embracing Obscurity. By, have you heard of this? It's by the author's name is Anonymous. Oh. And so uh, so he... Um, embracing insecurity. Wait, what's it? Embracing it? Obscurity. Obscurity by Anonymous. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, I and see here, what here's why there. I love it. Yes. It's like uh, we all think of like, I want to be well known. I want to promote my name. I want the bigger platform, all that stuff. And, uh, and in reality, we look at Jesus. Jesus was entitled to everything right the most fame the most the biggest following and he chose to conceal his greatness in so many ways he was the most humble you know the perfection of humility and so mm -hmm. it's it's been good for me to wake me up just to go I, I don't need to chase all this stuff i just really need to chase jesus and become more and more like christ i love that so much i don't know why you talking about that book just made me think about it but my friend sharon hody miller told me about a book she read this summer that's on my list and it's called when narcissism comes to church Healing Your Community from Emotional and Spiritual Abuse by Chuck DeGroat. Now, she read this, and I love my friend Sharon. She's a phenomenal pastor, a phenomenal leader. And she was like, when I read this, it hit me between the eyes, and it should be required reading for all pastors. And so I was like, wow. I need to read this. I'm not a pastor. But it just made me think like, wow, have you read it or heard of it? No, well, I've heard of it. Uh, and now I really want to read it. We actually, we have a residency here at Harris Creek, and we have all of our residents read it. And so it is required reading for a residence. I should probably read it myself. They're actually reading it right now. As Jump we in, record. Scott. It's not too late. <laughs> I know. Well, man, I know I'm narcissistic at times. And uh, and I love the church. And I, mm -hmm. If Sharon says it, and now you're saying it, I know you haven't read it yet, but I'm, I'm on it. I'm going to read it. I trust that. Sharon. I trust Sharon. That's right. Did you see The Blind yet? The Robertson movie? No. In fact, Corey sent me um, a link for it. I just saw my email and I haven't seen it. The link probably doesn't work anymore. She's probably like, Jamie, thanks a lot. But um, <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I'm dying to see it. Have you seen it? Yeah, we went last night. I went with my wife and two of my kids and one of a friend and it was so good. So jarring. Like the addiction side, it's, it's I didn't know that this was such a significant part of Phil's Oh, I don't story. know this either. Oh, you need to go see it. It was, uh, it was really well done. And what I appreciate is like these... Christian movies now are actually showing the depravity and the hurt. And it's, and, and again, so much compassion mm. for somebody stuck in, in addiction and mm -hmm. a rut. And so I highly recommend it. And it's, they, they don't hold anything back on the dark side of it, but also the hope we find in Christ. I love that. In fact, when I saw it came out, I looked for it close to a theater near me and couldn't find it. And so I need to look again because I would love to come go to see Waco. It. Come hang in Waco and come <laughs> see it here. I'm coming to Waco in the spring. I'll figure out where I'm going and I'll tell everyone where I'm going, but okay. I am coming to Waco in the spring. Scott, I'm so grateful for you and your ministry. And I just am a big fan of everything happening at y'all's church and in Waco and go bears, sick them. I can say that at the same time. Um, in all seriousness, thank you for um, your love for the church and your family and being an example of, of someone leading through humility and vulnerability. And it's very much needed these days. So thank you. 
Well, thank you. I'm so grateful and honored to be on here, Jamie. Grateful for all the work you're doing. And for me, you've helped me from a distance for so long. And I'm so thankful for all that you do. And uh, thanks for having me on today. Really, really honored and grateful. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And if you're looking for his message, we will link it in the show notes. It was from when he was at Watermark, and I think it was around 2015. And the title of his message is Confessions from a Bathroom Stall, Lesson Learned in a Battle with Gluttony. And what a message for ourselves and our culture uh, that really struggles with gluttony in a lot of areas. Uh, Scott talking particularly with food. And so we'll link that that message for you. Also, we'll put all of the books that we talk about, we always put those in the show notes. So if you're like, what was that book that you mentioned by Matthew Perry or that Sharon Hody Miller told you about? If you just click on your podcast app and you click on the image, it usually takes you to the show notes. Um, if all else fails, you can always find it at jamieivy.com. But we link all those books for you. And I cannot wait <laughs> to read the book that Sharon has told me about when narcissism comes to church. And so that's a book that Scott and I both want to dive into this year. So hopefully that will get on our list sometime this December when I'm not in class. Guys, I also mentioned in the show that I'm coming to Waco and I am coming to Waco in February. I'm coming to First Woodway. I'm coming to the well. It's the women's ministry at First Woodway in Waco, Texas. I'll be there February 2nd and 3rd. So if you're a Waco person, I'd love to see you that weekend. You can find all the information also in the show notes about registering for that event, but it's at First Woodway, February 2nd and 3rd. Guys, I hope that no matter what is happening in your world today, on November 15th of 2023. I hope that you are closer to Jesus than you were last week. I hope you're yearning for him more. And I hope that you have a really, really, really great day. And I'd like to give a little shout out. Tomorrow's my husband's birthday. So happy birthday, Aaron. I love you, love you, love you. Gosh, it's cheesy, but I do. Happy birthday, Aaron. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell. And the show is edited by Jason Talley. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. Your entire life you've been told to save. But has anyone helped you figure out how to spend? With Fidelity Income Planning, get help creating a personalized plan for cash flow, even when you're not working. One that includes your 401k and all your other accounts. Make informed decisions that best fit your life ahead, whether one-on-one or through our planning tools. Learn more at fidelity.com slash income planning. Advisory services provided by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC for a fee. Brokerage services by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. 